Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. vampire lovers the sun is going down and you know what that means it's time for me to record another episode of my podcast the beautiful dead i am your host lena nazari and as always i would love it if you would connect with me on all the things you can find me on instagram the beautiful dead podcast you can also email me that's lena at lenanazari.com as a matter of fact if you go to lenanazari.com you'll get to see links to all my social media and everything i'm out there doing before i forget if this is your first time listening to this podcast giant spoiler alert. Uh, I do talk about movies and TV shows and books. And when I do, I ruin everything. I will tell you who dies. I will tell you how they die, why they die. I will tell you who betrays whom. So if you have not seen this particular film that I'll be discussing this evening, and you don't like to be uh, told what happens, then I recommend you stop this and you go watch it and then you come back and listen. I've heard from a few people that they did in fact stop the podcast and go watch what I was talking about and then come back and listen. So I guess people do uh, listen to what I have to say. I uh, just came off of the uh, Memento Con here in Pittsburgh, uh, Saturday and Sunday. It was fabulous. That's why this podcast is a little bit late. I was preparing for all of that. Um, What a wonderful weekend I had. It was my first time being at a convention selling my book. I've been to many conventions over the years, but usually I'm there to meet people and guests and have fun. This was my first time as a vendor and my first time out there as an author selling my book. I had an absolute blast. I got to connect with people from my past. I got to meet new people. I have new friends now, new connections, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So if you are listening to this after having met me at MementoCon, make sure you uh, send me an email or um, a comment below and let me know that that's how we met. Oh, just a great. So you guys will forever be part of a very, very wonderful weekend for me. Uh, the first time I was answering questions about my book and talking to people. People had a lot of wonderful questions for me. It was so much fun to see people in costume. Uh, It was a lot of fun to have fellow vampire nerds like myself come up and want to discuss different movies. I got to talk about Lost Boys. Um, I had a lot of people give me recommendations. I have a list here with lots of recommendations. So this is actually a great segue. I can tell you guys what is coming up in the future for September and October. 
So I have a lot of things on my list that I would love to do. I am going to start my little bites, which are just quick episodes where I talk about something that uh, maybe is something I'd like to talk about, but just is not long enough for a full episode. So that will be coming up here shortly. Um, And also in October, every week will be something that is more fact than fiction. So we will talk about vampires in different countries and cultures. We will talk about the history of the lore. Where does it come from? We will talk about Vlad Zepish. We'll talk about the Countess Bathory. Um, we will talk about vampires in the news. So that will be coming up in October. And the last weekend of September, I will be at Mountaineer Con in West Virginia. So I would love for you to come say hello to me. But also that will be my birthday weekend. So my birthday episode this year is going to be uh, me discussing my very own vampire novel. So if you haven't read it and you want to read it before I talk about it, you can get it on Amazon. Make sure you read it and then listen to my podcast. I am going to put that episode up on September 28th, which is my birthday. So that will be a special episode And like I said, in October, we'll be talking all things vampire fact rather than fiction. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Why don't we just go ahead and talk about what I'm going to talk about this evening? I wanted to uh, sort of bring in the school year for the people who had kids start school last week or the week before or have them starting school this week. I wanted to do a little back to school vampire episode. So I found this Vampire Academy from 2014. That's what we'll be discussing this evening. Uh, Let's see our star. Zoe Deutsch is Rose. Lucy Fry is Lisa. Now Lisa is called Lisa, Liza, um, uh, of Vasilisa, that she has a bunch of different names. I'm just going to call her Lisa. Uh, then comparable Gabriel Byrne as Victor, Sarah Highland as Natalie, and Dominic Shearwood as Christian. And obviously there's many, many other people in there. But those are just our kind of main players. This is set in the modern day, in the modern world. There's references to Apple phones and, I mean, sorry, iPhones and Apple watches and all those good things. And it's in a world where vampires sort of live outside of society, or if they're a part of the human world, they they very much um, coexist, live under the radar, and, and remain unknown. In this world, there's three races that we need to talk about. There's the Maroi. They're referred to as a magical race. They're beautiful. They're regal. There's 12 special royal families in the Maroi who alternate being head of the government. And our main vampire, Lisa, is a princess. She's the last of her bloodline, and she is in line for the throne. And currently, the ruling vampire is Queen Tatiana, who's played by Jolie Richardson. The second race is the Damphir. They're half-human, half-Moroi. They are born guardians of the Moroi, and in this case, Rose is the self-proclaimed guardian of Lisa. They're best friends, and the movie starts with them in the world having escaped the Academy, and they are trying to remain on the run, and they've been out for a year, Uh, but they are unfortunately found and brought back. The last race we want to talk about is the Strigoi, Uh, and this term does actually come from Romanian lore, so it does Moroi. 
Um, but in Romanian lore, uh, the Strigoi, you know what? I, we're going to save that for, we're going to save that for October. So tune in in October and we'll talk more about Romanian vampire lore. Uh, in this world, the Strigoi were created when the Maroi uh, kill during feeding. They then turn in this into Strigoi and they're more animalistic, more brutal. And their main purpose is to destroy the Maroi. So, like I said, in the beginning of the movie, these girls are on the run, and very quickly, a damn fear named Dimitri finds the girls and brings them back to the academy. So, this movie hits the ground running, and you very quickly have to catch up with what's going on. Now, I understand that this is a series of books. I have not read the book, so please don't come at me. Um, I'm happy to hear what you guys have to say as far as clarifying things for me, but please don't come at me that I haven't read the books. Um, but this is the problem with taking a series and jamming it into an hour and a half movie is there's so much that you're just supposed to already know. Um, and I, and I, it feels almost like the Harry Potter movies in the fact that it's in this private, uh, school and there's a whole world and there's rules and there's a governing body. And, and if you hadn't read the Harry Potter books and just watched the movies, you'd probably be very confused. But however, I had read the books when I watched the movie. So I can see where the people who had not read the books got frustrated with the movies because that's how I feel about this movie. Uh, but moving on. So let's talk about the vampire's appearance. In this world, as I said, the Marai, they're very beautiful. They're human looking. Um, the Strigoi are still very human looking like, but they have a little more vampiric features. So they are, you know, think of like if a beautiful human and Nosferatu had a baby. That's kind of what they are going for with this. And they have red eyes. So that's how you can tell very quickly that that vampire is Strigoi. Fangs do come and go in this world, so they must be retractable. They only come out when the vampires are feeding or when they're fighting and trying to look aggressive. And it's funny because during the movie, Natalie uh, is catching the girls up on all the gossip and drama that happened while they were or while they had run away and were away from the academy. And uh, she mentioned that some girl had broken up with a boy because he still had his baby fangs. So that kind of made me chuckle. The idea that they're born with baby fangs and then those fangs fall out and they have adult fangs. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Um, blood is absolutely a thing in this world. I don't think we have found a vampire yet that doesn't have to have blood. Uh, I know they're out there, everybody. You don't have to come at me in the comments. I am going to talk about vampires who don't need blood, like energy vampires, but that's not what we're talking about today. Um, they do need blood, and it's funny, in the academy, they have what they call the human feeder program. So through narration, Rose explains that humans who love vampires, love vampire fiction, um, will volunteer to come to the academy for a year, be housed at the academy, and, and be fed on by the, by the school. And then after a year, their memories are erased and they're sent home. Um, so those of you listening to this podcast, you might be somebody who would actually go volunteer for this. So it's funny because... Um, Lisa actually discusses her favorite human to feed on. And, and when asked, she said, oh, yeah, she actually writes Twilight fan fiction. So that made me chuckle because it made me think of, you know, everybody who's who's ever loved vampires and written a vampire fiction. Um, uh, now, the Demphir, the ones who are a mix, 
they can eat food. She even says, I could eat a bacon cheeseburger. So they don't have to have blood. Sunlight. In this universe, the Maroi actually can be out in the sunlight. Now, they refer to it as irritating or stinging. Uh, so if you do see them out walking in sunlight, they have umbrellas. But for the most part, these students sleep during the day and then they have their classes at night. So you very much see them out at night most of the time. But some of them do sneak out during the day. And we see some teachers during the day and they're using umbrellas. Um, holy items are never mentioned. So I'm going to assume that in this universe, vampires are not affected by crosses or anything like that. Uh, they sleep in beds in their rooms. Rose even says vampires don't sleep in coffins. Uh, I'm assuming they would have windowless rooms because the, um, sun bothers them so much, but I guess they could do sun blocking curtains, right? And that's, uh, how they sleep. As far as how they're made, this is one of those, much like the Black Dagger Brotherhood, where you are born a vampire. So in this world, you are born a Moroi or you're born a Damphir. Uh, and then the Strigoes are made when the Moroi kill during feeding. And many times it's said they were forced to turn. So I'm not sure what that means. They don't really go into it. I'm sure those of you who read the book can tell me. Um, but I'm not sure how you're forced to feed until somebody's dead, but that's what they say. You forced them to turn. As far as how they're killed, so this is interesting as well. In this, the Maroi can age, they can get diseases, they can die like us. Uh, the movie opens with a flashback to Lisa's father, mother, and brother dying in a car accident. Uh, it is said that they live longer than humans, but they do die, and actually Victor's character has some kind of disease. He actually named it at one point, but I didn't catch it. Um, but he has a disease he's suffering and dying from, so they can get sick. The Strigoi, however, can only be killed with a silver stake to the heart. So that's where the silver thing comes into play. Stake to the heart is still, um, you know, pretty on point with the lore, but that's just the Strigoi. So I, I don't know if they can live forever. Um, and that's why maybe some people choose to turn. I'm not sure why. Again, I, you probably would know it if you read the book, but I did not. I just saw the movie, so I don't know. Powers. All of them seem to be strong and fast. However, uh, the Maroi, as part of their education, they actually train in four different powers, and these powers are elemental powers. So there's earth, air, water, and fire, and then they're supposed to declare one and then work that power to master it. So I'm assuming you, in the beginning, you kind of go to all four training things and then you realize, oh, I, my power seems to be fire. So I'm going to declare fire as my power. And then that's what I'm going to train on. Lisa, however, we see early on can do all four. She hasn't declared a power yet because people keep asking her. But she also has compulsion. She can um, use mind control. She can control human minds, but also vampire minds. She uses compulsion on many of the teachers and her fellow students. We also see her bring a crow back from the brink of, of death. He is flying and runs into a statue and she brings him back. She heals him. So over the course of the movie, we discover that she has what's called spirit. And spirit is, um, you have all four elementals, plus you can also heal and bring people back from the brink of death. Apparently you can also use compulsion. And it is very rare for vampires to have spirit powers. 
Um, the founder of the academy is one who had spirit powers. Uh, and also we discover that if something or someone is brought back from the edge of death, like that crow, they're called shadow kissed. And it is revealed that Rose should have died in the car accident um, and was dying. And this sort of awakened Lisa's spirit powers. She brought Rose back from the dead and now they have what's called the bond. And the bond is a connection between a damn fear and a Maroi. And so Rose can actually connect to Lisa and she'll see what Lisa sees. They know what each other is thinking and um, Rose can be in Lisa's dreams. And when this happens, we see Rose's eyes turn golden and that's how we know that she's connected to Lisa. But that is called bonded. So it is mentioned later on that if you die, you cross over and then come back. That is referred to as shadow kissed. And they find out by reading the texts that the founder of this academy also had a bond with his damn fear and his damn fear was also shadow kissed. So it's sort of a replay of that connection. So we discover just through implication and in the very end, Lisa sort of stands up to the queen and makes this big, huge speech about them all coming together. So it's apparent that Lisa is going to become the next ruler because she's powerful and she uh, has come into herself and accepted who she is. And it ended in a way where I thought, obviously, they planned on a sequel, but that never happened. It's seven years later. We don't have a Vampire Academy 2, so it must not have done very well. Um, but it is implied that she will eventually take over because they have some kind of special bond. The rules for this universe are really not made very clear. Again, those of you who read the book, I'm sure can probably email me and tell me what the rules are for this world and how the government works. Um, I know there's a whole group called the Keepers that live out in the woods. I don't, I just know that from periphery, but I don't know what that is. So in this universe, they call it a government, but, in f but it seems to me, I don't, it's hard to describe guys because it's a government, it's a ruling body. But it's, but it's also a monarchy because there's a queen. And then at one point they say that the Romanian contingent is coming to decide how to handle the situation. So that to me makes me think that there is a government in each country, but then Romania is in charge of all the governments. It's, it's not explained at all. So again, if you've read the book, please let me know. It is obvious that the teens are supposed to stay at the academy and never leave that vampires are supposed to remain secret. Uh, and it's also made clear that the Maroi are not supposed to feed on damn fear. Uh, there was like a big issue when it was realized that Lisa was feeding off of Rose when they were on the run. And I'm not sure why that was so bad or why that's so wrong because they don't explain it. You're just supposed to accept it. Um, there's not much else revealed about how this society works, how it's managed. You know, there was so much exposition of characters and backstory and so much action happening that there was really no time to really build this world. And that's unfortunate because there was a lot of things said that I thought was really interesting. For, for example, when the girls are first brought back and the headmistress is, is deciding what the punishment will be, she says, Rose, 
you have no social security number, you have no identity. So if you're cast out, you're going to have to do blood whore porn. You heard that right. She said blood whore porn. And a couple of the students even call Rose a blood whore. So I'm guessing that's somebody who gives themselves up willingly to vampires to feed on. And apparently it's really looked down upon. I would have loved to have more of that built up. I mean, that implies to me there's some kind of weird seedy underbelly in this vampire world. Um, but I guess because they're marketing this to teens and young adults, they didn't build on that. But what a weird thing to mention and then never talk about again. Blood whore porn. I just had to say it a third time because I, I'm still like, what on earth? All right, guys, moving on. Where are they good or are they bad? So in this universe, they make it abundantly clear that the Maroi are good and the Strigoi are bad. But listen, this is a complicated subject, right? Good versus bad. And none of that is going to really describe what's going on. So the Strigoi are, are portrayed as savage and driven to kill and destroy only. However, at the end, we see that they've gathered in this mass of thousands and there's apparently a, a leader because they're saying not yet, but soon, and they're overlooking the academy. So clearly they're sentient, they are cunning, they are planning. So they're obviously not just animals, right? There must be something else going on. And again, guys, huge spoiler alert. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Uh, but Natalie turns herself into a Strigoi towards the end and attacks Rose. And she explains her entire story, much like villains like to do right before they get killed. Um, so they had a plan all along and her and her father, Victor, you know, had this all in the works. So clearly the, the Moroi also can be bad. And there's a lot of like backstabbing and gossip and drama and political maneuvering in this in this Maroi community. So it's you can't say that one is good and one is bad. So like other things, uh, much like humans, I think in this world, vampires can choose what they're going to be. Are they going to be good like Lisa and Rose? Or are they going to be bad like Victor and and his daughter? So I think it is implied that they can choose what they're going to be. Uh, as a matter of fact, Victor kidnaps Lisa and forces her to heal him at the expense of her at the expense of her own life energy. So obviously he's bad um, because he's been planning this all along. He also gave a, a necklace to Rose that had like a love spell on it with the intention of Rose being distracted by her instructor and not able to save Lisa. But we're about to get to how I feel about that. Um, so I guess, yeah, like humans, they can choose. Are you going to be good? Or are you going to be bad? And I think that goes for either one of them. All right. Tropes I love. So I loved the idea of a guardian race. Damn fears are not a new concept. I've heard, um, damn fears and other lore, uh, being half vampire, half human. We saw it in twilight with, um, Renezme. And, uh, so that's not a cool, I mean, that's not a new concept, but what is cool is, is the idea of a guardian race. Um, we've seen a lot of born hunters. They use that in the Vampire Diaries where a certain uh, lineage is born to be hunters, like the original families in Vampire Diaries. Um, but we, I don't, I've never seen born guardians um, being born to protect vampires. So if you've seen that in anything else, please let me know. I, I thought about it and I, I can't think of anything. 
but I'd be happy to hear. Uh, and I did love the idea of a bond, of the bond between vampire and guardian. I thought that was really, really neat. Tropes I hate. Guys, I don't care if it's a lifetime movie. It what I hate the whole teacher-student thing. It makes me cringe. And in this film, yes, they were under a spell. However, they were flirting leading up to that point, and they flirt after. And I think they're supposed to be 17 and 25 or 26. And um, he is her teacher. She is 17 years old. And there's um, a, a minute scene of them getting hot and heavy that made me cringe. Now, I understand this is marketed to young adults. And maybe if you're 17 and reading this and thinking about a hot 28-year-old teacher, it seems kind of hot. But I have a 17-year-old upstairs, and I it it made me cringe. The idea of that being um, sexy, or I, I just, I, I understand. I'm a mother. I get it. But I'm also an author. I'm also an actress. And there's some things that are very hard lines to cross for a reason. So I didn't like that, and I didn't think it was necessary for the story at all. All right, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. And it's funny because, guys, this is, you know, it's a vampire podcast. I love horror. There's a lot of things in my book that I think people might think cross a line. However, I do have lines that I don't cross. And teacher and student or child and adult is something I do not cross. And to watch a movie that I'm pretty sure is PG-13 and see that happen just made me cringe and as far as I know, it was written by an adult. So yeah, I didn't like that. Let me see. I'm looking it up right now. And I'm not even going to edit this out so you guys know how behind the scenes. PG-13. PG-13. So she's down to bra and underwear, hot making out with her adult teacher. Now I understand these actors are both adults. She's not really 17, but still, I just it just made me cringe. Um, oh, here we go. Somebody gave it one star. It says, no, just no. This is one of the worst based on a book movies ever made. Oh, boy. Ouch. Okay. Ratings. How evil or scary are these vampires? And I think you guys will know if you've made it this far and listened to this before that I have new music. So we don't just have sexy music. Now we have evil music. The Maroi are getting a meager three out of 10 stakes to the heart. Now they can compulse you. They do need human blood. They're stronger and faster than us. So that does make them um, somewhat of a problem for us if they decided they wanted to come out and kill humans. But they have found a way to feed themselves without killing humans. Um, they can get sick. They can be killed by drunk drivers. And, and honestly, they appear to be so involved with backstabbing each other and trying to one-up each other and trying to get to the throne that I don't think they'll ever find the energy to come together and go after humans. So I don't think we have anything to worry about. And the Strigoi actually only get one more point. They are harder to kill. And they are full of what appears to be some kind of bloodlust, but it seems like their only goal really is to wipe out the Maroi. So it doesn't seem like they really care about us at all. So, so that's it. That's a hot take from Lena. The Maroi get three out of 10 stakes to the heart and the Strigoi get four out of 10 stakes to the heart. 
As far as how sexy or alluring these vampires are, uh, the Strigoi only get one point. You just get it for being vampires. That's it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Strigoi. But if it makes you feel better, as far as the Maroi go, um, remember these are teens, so it's kind of hard to gauge their sexiness, but I can speak to their allure. Uh, they get their point for being vampires. They get another point for being very attractive people. Uh, some of them are able to use compulsion, so I guess they could use mind control, but none of them appear to really have any kind of like sensual draw that would affect humans. We've seen vampires that walk into a room and vampire, or I'm sorry, humans just sort of gravitate towards them. So um, what pops into my head is like um, Alexander Skarsgård in True Blood. Uh, his character just just walked into a room and, and humans were like falling on knives to get to him. None of that is happening in this. And I can speak to the adults. Gabriel Byrne is very handsome. Jolie Richardson is beautiful. Um, the headmistress is even played by an actual model. So these are beautiful people, but none of them seem to be, seem to be very alluring. There's no sort of like sensuality or sexuality to them. As a matter of fact, the only sensual scene we get is between the damn fear and her teacher. And even then, it they were under a spell. It was so cringy. It was really hard to watch. So. Maroi, you only get two out of ten onks for sexiness and allure. So, Eric, in True Blood, you still are by far the winner in this contest. And that is it for me talking about Vampire Academy from 2014, based on the novel. And let me see, we're going to go ahead and... <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and Google this. I don't know why I'm having trouble speaking today. I think I'm just exhausted from this weekend. But let's see, how many Vampire Academy books are there? Now you guys know what it's like behind the scenes of recording a podcast. Sometimes I feel like, wow, these people are so knowledgeable. They're not, they're Googling it and they're just editing out the part where they're Googling it. Um, but let's see, oh my. <laughs> Vampire Academy. Ouch. Got a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Woo! I mean, I've seen worse, but yikes, that's bad. Uh, well, there's at least four I can see. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's six. So no wonder the movie is so confusing because they're trying to jam so much stuff into one. Oh, and yes, it is absolutely... For young adults. It's considered young adult, urban fantasy, paranormal romance. Oh boy. And people are asking, will there be a book seven? All right. Well, big shout out to Rachel Mead. Rochelle, I'm sorry. Rochelle Mead, uh, who wrote these series. Good for you. You got a book out of it. You have all these books out and you got a movie out of it. So, hey. Big dreams, right? That's my big dream. Actually, my big dream is to sell mine to Netflix, but you know what? I'm digressing. Again, this is the kind of stuff that most people edit out of their podcasts, but I'm not going to because you guys know I'm 100% real with you. And um, that's it. This is what happens. I talk, I get distracted, I go on IMDb, I go on Google, I find out more information, I fall down a dark hole, and then I end up knowing really weird things about, about vampires and books and movies that 
will serve me only in this capacity, hosting a podcast or at a convention. So again, I love you guys so much. Thank you for allowing me to do this. It has helped me so much kind of deal with the stress of life right now. And I thank you so much. And if you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast, I cannot thank you enough. There is more coming. I've told you what will be coming the end of the month. So I'm going to wrap this up. As I say to all my fans, I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.